Welcome to the Holy Spirit's Curriculum of Joy podcast. My name is Wanaka Overheaver, and I'm your host. My guest today is Christy Holt. Hi, and welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation today, and hopefully we can share a little bit of joy in this, in this beautiful conversation. Yes, I hope so too. <laughs> so... I like to ask a question where we can go really deep and then go from there. So how did you come to see the world the way you do today? Oh boy, really diving all the way in, hey? Um, I mean, I think with anyone, it is a gradual unfolding. And so it is essentially a combination of every single moment experience, uh, thing that I've been through up until this moment that truly shapes the picture of how I see things today. I think that there were some, as always, pivotal moments that had significant impacts along the way, you know, changing careers, leaving relationships, beginning new relationships, starting a family. Some of those were my most significant uh, pivotal moments, I guess you will say. And I've also had some sort of personal moments of realization, like, oh my gosh, like, this isn't what I thought, and it's something a little bit different. So, yeah, it's a constant unfolding, and I think that life is a messy and very beautiful adventure to be discovered along the way, and that's part of what this human experience is all about. So then let's dive into how you do see the world today. <laughs> Oh God, how do I even put that into uh, a short form? I see the world as a place that is full of possibility, a place that is full of opportunity. I see us as humans being an individuated form of the divine, having a unique human experience. I believe that we are both the, the drop in the ocean and the entire ocean simultaneously. I believe that this entire experience is about making it what we want. We are ultimately creators of our own experience. And while many people go through life not recognizing this, this secret power that they truly have, they uh, miss opportunities to design their life the way that they want to, and they end up kind of going with the flow. And I am guilty of this as well. I didn't quite see the power that I had, and I found myself not not terribly long ago in a relationship that was not reflecting the life that I truly wanted to have. And since I realized, you know, the power that I truly have to build the experience the way that I want it, because the way that I want it is it's put there for a reason, right? That is sort of like my, my purpose and my human experience to do things that feel aligned for me. And now not everything goes the way that you think it's going to go, of course. And there are always going to be detours and rough patches and roadblocks. But if you keep your eye on the prize, I do believe that this is an adventure and we have a lot more control and power over those outcomes than we may think that we do. It's just that they don't always look the way that we expect them to, right? So... Maybe you would like to, you were mentioning there were these pivotal moments that you think shaped the way you see the world today. Would you like to describe some of them and why you think they, you changed your mind after having them? 
I would say the most significant pivotal moment in my life was one day in my previous relationship, in my marriage, I came to the realization that I was at the root of every single one of my problems. It kind of like whacked me upside the head and realized I'm the common denominator. And so initially, of course, this was not a fun realization because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's I'm <laughs> it's me. I'm doing all I'm I'm part of all of this. Not that I was creating it all with intention, because I think a lot of times we are creating and manifesting things completely without intention of doing so. Uh, but in this pivotal moment, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm the problem. I like to say, like channeling a little Taylor Swift, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. This hit me like a ton of bricks, and I realized. Not only am I the common denominator in the problems, but I'm also the common denominator in all of the solutions. And so this actually took me from a place of being in a victim mentality and moving to an empowered position who, you know, who, who is someone who could actually make a change in their life and do things differently. Now, before this, so that people can get a little bit of a picture of what was going on, I was really unhappy in my marriage. I spent a lot of time pointing fingers, you know, blaming, waiting around for something else outside of myself to change or shift. I was, you know, very good at complaining about what I didn't want. And this moment took me from that place, which I somehow suddenly realized was absolutely not helpful at all. It was actually just keeping me stuck in that space of that victim mentality. And I want to sidebar just for a moment because. I want to differentiate here between being a victim and holding a victim mentality just for clarity's sake, because being a victim uh, can happen to anyone. You can be the victim of a circumstance and being uh, having the victim mentality is sort of carrying that trauma or that pain with you, uh, you know, in into your permanent story rather than having had a one time incident or even, you know, multiple time incidents that has happened in the past. That victim mentality says, you know, it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm causing this, I'm bringing this on myself, everything bad happens to me, why me, I can't do anything right, all of these stories that we can really build. Now, just to wrap that up, I do want to say that if you have suffered as a victim of any sort of situation, you do not deserve that, right? This isn't about, you know, you creating that for yourself, it's not about you calling it in as an experience for yourself, you didn't deserve to have bad things happen to you. And we want to move forward in a way that sets us free from all of that suffering and pain that we have endured in the past. And so letting go of the victim mentality is us stepping into our power to write a new ending to the story, right? So that we're not reliving and rehashing that same old story. And what happened for me when I started to rewrite that story was I started to realize that my relationship was not working for me. And I think in that moment, as I, I continue to grow on my own, I realized that we were really growing in very, very different directions. Not only that, but I, I don't know if it was ever really a great fit in the first place. And it was sort of one of those situations of trying to like make something work. Uh, I, I can say for sure that my my abandonment wounds were playing into that, wanting to find someone so I wouldn't be alone. And it resulted in my tolerating some things that I, I probably, I don't like to should on myself, you know, but I probably shouldn't have and I ought to have created some firm boundaries and found a partner who was more aligned with the life that I wanted to create for myself. And so 
in the end, we ended up parting ways, uh, which was honestly one of the most difficult decisions of my life. I have three kids. And uh, up until sort of this moment when I decided that I just couldn't make it work anymore, uh, I was prepared to stay for a very long time to protect my children. At least that's what I saw it as. I saw it myself staying and keeping the family together as protecting them until I had a realization that I wasn't actually protecting them. I was actually showing them a lot of things that I did not want to show them. And I was creating for myself a lot of dynamics in my relationship that I would absolutely not want for them to recreate in their future relationships. I was also really stuck in a people-pleasing, um, boundary-less, over-giving, perfectionist state that really wasn't serving me or anyone around me because I was anxious, I was overwhelmed, and I was exhausted. And those are three things that do not a great mother make. And when I made the shift, it really allowed me to step more into my power, to find my happiness, to give not only myself permission to be authentically and wholly myself, but to give that to my kids as well was really important to me. And then to begin to create relationships that would model what I view as healthy, loving relationships so that they had a better picture of what's possible for them. And so, yeah, I, I really realized I was actually not protecting my children at all by staying. And I had to make an exit and lead them in a new way by going first myself. Yeah, that's a pretty strong decision to make because we get used to the way things are and we think that's the way they need to be. And then we lose hope that there could be another way, things like that. So yes, to, to decide that there is another way doesn't always mean one leaves the partner, but it could, right? And in your case, it did. So yeah, it's really, really important to become clear about these things, yeah. Yeah, and when we are in a state of overwhelm, it actually clouds our ability to see those possibilities, which complicates matters further, right? Because when I was in it, I was really having a hard time seeing outside of the possibilities that basically, I couldn't see any new possibilities. I could only see the possibilities that were familiar, which were known to me at the time. And I knew very much based on, you know, 13 years in this relationship, what to expect. And anything that was sort of making a change from that was creating a whole lot of uncertainty, right? There was a, a whole lot of, I don't know what to expect. This literally could go in any direction. And I, I used to really be someone who highly valued certainty, which is ironic because I am now someone who actually really values uncertainty, spontaneity, and opportunity, growth, expansion, all of the possibilities in the world. But I used to find a lot of comfort in just knowing what to expect. And so this, this sort of stepping outside of your comfort zone, if you're someone who really kind of likes to hang out there, and especially if you're in any sort of survival mode state like I was with anxiety and overwhelm and just quite shut down, it's, it can be quite terrifying. Like you don't know what might happen. And so it feels safer to just stay with the status quo, to stick with what you know, what you're experiencing, even if that's really not working for you like it was in my case. 
And the truth is, if you can learn to navigate the survival mode uh, response that you'll have, the reaction in your body when you are you know, dealing with or, or even potentially constantly living in survival mode, if you can get to a place where you can regulate your nervous system, where you can get things back into a calm space, you will create an opportunity not only to see all of the possibilities, but to use your critical thinking skills to choose the one that's most aligned for you. And when you're in survival mode and everything's all kind of, uh, you know, high stress or whatnot, you cannot sometimes always see that because your brain actually goes on, like I kind of like to joke about it being like power save mode. It's very efficient. It's focused on one thing and one thing alone, which is survival. So the, the possibilities and opportunities that lie outside of what is known are just simply not visible. Our brain is actually on power save mode. Survival is it. Survival, survival, survival. Not thriving, not opportunity and possibility, not new and exciting miracles. It's focused on what is safe and what is safe is actually just what is known. And so we can really get stuck in this loop, which is exactly what I was stuck in. And until I sort of learned to process the emotions and that reaction so that it could move through instead of sort of just trapping it and trying to avoid it and trying to just power through it, I created space to see the possibilities, to open up to new opportunities and, and to use my brain in all of its glorious power, not have it use me, right? So I could use it to critically choose which of these things were going to be a right fit for me and which were not. And neither, you know, it's not, it's not about what's good or bad. It's just about what is correct for me. Yeah, there's a lot to say about these topics, of course. So when you when you think about being able to choose again also means that you need to open up that there might be another way. And so yes, if you're in in a mo in a situation in a survival mode as you call it or in the separation thinking, there's only only opportunities that are the same that come to the same result. So you're just on, you stay unhappy and have these moments of thinking you've come over it and then it's right back there. So the, the question is, how do you get out of that? And how did you do that? Because we're, we're talking about your journey. How did you actually step out of that, like step into the situation where you could see it be above the battlefield rather than in it? Yeah, and I think that's that's usually the burning question. Like, how do we escape this trap, this 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 separation illusion, right? And how do we become masters in our own rights and create the life that we want? And ultimately, I did write a book about it because there is a lot to it. And it's more than just, you know, one one simple thing that helps you to get there. It's opening up your mind to different perspectives and beliefs. It's really getting curious about what you've picked up, what you believe to be true about yourself, about the world, about your experience. It's about, you know, going on a bit of an adventure to discover who you truly are, you know, without all of those labels. It's more of an unlearning process, if you will, and stripping away the things that are not you so that you can come back to 
who, who are you at the root of it all? And when I did this process for myself, and I'll give you a couple of things about, you know, what I put into it and what I share about in my book in a moment, when I did this process, what I came back to was the realization that I am love at the core of all of it. I consist of love. This love can overflow or I can keep it restricted, but I am at the core. I am love. And so I have always been someone who is passionate about sharing with other people, the, the wisdom that I've gained or the perspectives that I have, or, you know, the empathy that I can, that I can share, you know, from my own personal experience or from, from general understanding of the way the world works. And so learning, leaning into this, this core beingness of love really helped me to into this power state. Now I did use a couple of tools and I share about them in my book, which my book is called Unstuck for Women. It's not really just for women though. I just market it for women because it's easier to narrow it down to a more specific audience if you speak to a specific audience. Uh, but I have had some uh, male readers find it really helpful for them as well. Uh, I think that a lot of a lot of people out there resonate with a type of story that I've had where it's been a difficult relationship. I haven't been able to, you know, get that to, to feel really good. I haven't been able to be happy and that I'm struggling with overwhelm and anxiety. And how do I break free of that and, you know, find, you know, the peace that surpasses all, all understanding, right? How do I get to that space? So personally for me, some of the key tools that I use, and I have actually a very long list in my book, of potential tools, strategies, and so forth, because everyone is different, right? Everyone based on their own experience is going to have, you know, more resonance with one or the other tools. And I'll say, it's not about having just one tool in the toolbox. It's about building an entire resource kit so that in any given situation, when you're facing a challenge, you have numerous things to pull from that might work in a very, you know, various types of situations or scenarios. So, for me, one of the biggest ones was meditation. And I think that there's a lot of misunderstandings around meditation. And a lot of people think that it's sitting very quietly, very still for long periods of time. That is not necessary. That's not how I view meditation. And uh, for me, I started with short periods of meditation. I really quickly realized that there is no quieting this brain. There's no shutting it off entirely. There are, though, gaps in between the thoughts. And so the more that I focused on the space between my thoughts, the more I was able to practice expanding that space. And inside of that space, I was able to allow things to just flow and be rather than creating judgments, assumptions, stories, thoughts, and feeling thoughts that all spiraled in a, in a not a good way, right? And so when I started to be able to create this space in between, I was able to allow emotions to just flow, to just exist. And by doing that, you don't get trapped. You don't start the thought, the, the thinking, the thought feelings and the whole spiral. You can actually stop the spiral before it starts. And so I refer to this method as the spiral stopper method in my book. But there are many tools that you can use. You can use breath work. You can use EFT tapping. You can use, you know, um, mantras. You can use affirmations. You can use prayer. You can use movement. You can use intentional somatic movement. There are so many different tools that you can put in your toolbox. That's just a tiny sampling of the opportunities that are out there for you. But it's ultimately about building something that works for you. So 
I like to add here too that the best time to strategize for dealing with these sort of situations is not when you're in the middle of it, right? Because again, when you're in the middle of it, you're not seeing anything else except for survival. And so that's not a good time to be planning planning for uh, resolution of those problems or those conflicts or those challenges. Rather, if we have this plan in place when we're feeling good, when we're feeling calm, and we can consciously, critically choose what we're putting into our toolbox and practice it in advance, these things will become like second nature so that when we're faced with a challenge or you know an obstacle, we know what to do. It's like second nature to us at that point, and it becomes much, much more easy for the emotions to move through without creating a negative spiral. So that's another interesting point is when you're in the midst of it, are there moments when you're not in the midst of it where you can actually strategize? Because we might start at a point where we don't have many of those times, right? So you need to, do you really want to use those times when you're calm to strategize or are you going to just enjoy the moment because you don't have many of them? It's a big question, right? Yeah, and that totally makes sense. And I would say that, you know, the strategizing does not need to take away your calm. It's actually just going to compound it. So I can see for sure the perspective thinking like, I finally have a minute. I don't want to think about the next challenge I'm going to face. I just want to enjoy the minute. However, it is worth it to implement some of these strategies. They can be as simple as three very deep, intentional, slow breaths can help you to regulate your nervous system. Okay, this doesn't have to be 5, 10, 20, 30 minute practice. It can be literally 30 seconds of your time to actually enhance this period of calm peacefulness that you have and so that you can return to it a lot more easily and a lot more often. So I, I will say if you're feeling like, oh, I just, I just don't have time for that really. Like I just want to enjoy it when I'm feeling good. I just want to, I don't want to think about the, the bad things. I invite you to just try it on. And I always invite people to try things on if it doesn't fit for you. Hey, that's okay. You're on your journey and I'm on mine. And, you know, we don't have to, this isn't about I'm right and you're wrong or anything like that. But I would encourage you to try it on because, hey, it might make you feel better a lot more often and help you to navigate those, those slips and slides along the way with grace and compassion, keeping you more in that calm, peaceful state, you know. I feel like at this point, I go very quickly. And actually, this is a challenge that I'm working on because I can move very quickly from uh, a state of challenge, we'll say like a state, a state of frustration, something's not going the way that I would prefer it to go. I have children, I have four teenage boys in my household. So, you know, this is gonna happen on the regular basis. And I move quickly through it. I take some deep breaths so that I can come to a calm, conscious place of choice and then decide how I'm going to respond. Now, without this practice, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? Because this, the switch can flip so quickly that you may not have an opportunity to catch it before it starts. And that's why doing these things in the calm moments can really help because now the neural pathways are there and it will be so much more easy for you to get there in those moments of challenge. And so, what I was going to say with all of these kids is now it happens very quickly for me. And I am now challenging myself to be able to verbalize this process back to my children so that they can see it happening in real time so that 
they can learn how to create this process for themselves. And from where I'm standing now, it happens very quickly. That's hard for me to sort of like walk through the steps in my head because it's it's very like, oh, I'm really frustrated. Like, okay, okay, here's the best solution, right? Instead of having some big roundabout strategy, it's actually very streamlined, very efficient, takes less than 30 seconds for me at this point, having had practiced it for a number of years and over time and in a lot of different scenarios. So I promise, even if it looks or feels like it might be a, ch a big challenge or too difficult to start, just start, doesn't matter. You know, you're not, you're not trying to be perfect. You're just trying to inch yourself a little bit closer to that peace and joy every single day. And every little single bit helps because, you know, every time you move through an experience in a way that feels a little bit better, you learn something. And you know what? If you move through it and it didn't go better, you learn something. And so you're never repeating the same things from the same perspective. You're always viewing it from a slightly more elevated perspective. And this awareness goes a really, really, really long way when it comes to, you know, consciously deciding what you want to create for your life. Another thing you were sharing about is that you discovered that your true nature is love and that your everyday experience is not always congruent with who you are and to decide that nonetheless that is who you are and to that it requires a, an allowing of removing the blocks as in the course in miracles it says you need to allow the Holy Spirit to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence because we are love. So, you, and it also says it, it can't teach what love is because that's who we are. Yeah, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's like kind of stripping away what we aren't, right? So that we can truly experience. And it's not even like I find it so interesting when you talk about like, spirituality as soon as you start you know trying to label it and put words to the experience that is spirituality you're kind of like losing <laughs> losing connection with the beingness of it because now you're using language which can be misinterpreted which can be interpreted in a number of different ways it also puts limits on the meaning of that word so as soon as you think you know God, well, now you've already, there's something out there and there's something here and there, you're immediately creating that, that illusion of separation when the truth is that there is no separation. We are all one. And honestly, the sooner this world can get to a place of recognizing that we are all one and come to a state of unity consciousness, the better off we are all going to be because that love will be able to flow so much more freely when we recognize, you know, we're, we're not we're not apart from one another. And what I, you know, choose to do as this individual drop of the ocean, if you will, impacts all of the ocean at the same time. And so it's, it's really, I don't know, it's so interesting to have conversations about this, given the, the limitations of language and words and understanding of those and trying to convey what is truly only like a felt or known experience into like concrete finite words, it definitely creates uh, a bit of loss in the message, right? It's something that can't be just spoken of. It needs to be experienced. 
I've come to the conclusion that the experience allows you to understand each other, not the, not the words themselves. And the words are used to remind each other of the experiences, not, not the other way around. So the experience is what comes first. And the words are to affirm it, to strengthen it, to deepen it, to and to remind you yourselves and each other that you can be aware of love's presence. Yeah. It's it's so, uh, this human experience. I do find it incredibly fascinating. I I love to observe people. I love to observe humans, humaning. Um, but absolutely right. It's it's really about that inner experience, and then you know, allowing that experience to remind us who we truly are. And to me, there's a lot of talk about healing and. A lot of people think that because, you know, they're not healed or they think they need healing, they're broken, they need fixing, all of these things, that that's why things aren't going their way. But the truth is, I don't really believe that we need like healing, not in the sense that a lot of people explain of like this, like constant journey of like improving yourself. We are already whole. We are already perfect, imperfect, perfectly imperfect. This is a paradox. Everything is a paradox. Uh, when we when we strip away the illusion, it is and it isn't. It's everything and nothing, and it's it's all very hard to put the the human mind around it because the the brain is designed like much like a computer to analyze the data, right? It it is designed to basically think in the binary. So we we create this dualistic approach to everything, and how can we experience you know hot without without cold like right like this is the whole crux of the thing and if we believe we are the divine having a human experience we we are inviting in some of that duality so that we can experience all of the things and i think that that's part of part of this human adventure is to go out there and experience all of these different things and really create for ourselves you know an epic beautiful yet probably a little bit messy adventure because you know we've forgotten a lot about who we truly are which is whole which is you know remembering that we are loved that we are already whole that we don't we're not broken we don't need fixing we don't need to go on a perpetual journey of healing we just need to own you know i am that i am i am whole and i am love and i am you know one with all that is essentially Yeah, this is a big topic also when one starts speaking about things. To say, okay, why why do I think that I can speak about something or be an expert on things when I know, of course, that I have so many faults and so many things that are not working and so many situations in where I'm actually stuck in separation thinking and not able to get out of it at the moment or at that time. And yet we are called to speak and to share and to to be there for each other and yes we're walking each other home and you call it messy other people may say okay it's not messy it's just um that's the you need to look at the things that are not working so that you can allow them to dissipate or dissipate, uh, get, let go of them 
or whatever words are used, there's many ways of putting it. Or you have to choose who you listen to as A Course in Miracles says you choose between the Holy Spirit and the ego. The ego we made the ego up, and the Holy Spirit is, is the voice that guides us right back to who we really are. Right? And so it's really fascinating. There's so many different ways of describing this process. But to encourage each other to choose love again and again, no matter how many times we choose the others, that is not real and is not, never is justified, and yet we still choose it. <laughs> We do. And, you know, the, the way I like to kind of look at this mess, if you will, is that we have an opportunity to turn what might be construed as a mess into our message. Right. And it's, you know, it's not about eradicating the so-called mess. It's about alchemizing it. It's about transmuting it. It's about transforming it into something that can be used for the highest good of all. And the way I see having gone through, you know, certain challenges in life is that now I am equipped to share the wisdom that I gained. And this is this is the thing. And this is, I think, partly why, you know, the all that is is, is having this experience through us is because knowledge is one thing and experiential knowledge is entirely another. And so we all know, you know, we generally know that if we want to look and feel good in our bodies, that we ought to, you know eat, eat good, good food that works for our bodies and move our bodies, right? These are just kind of, we know, but do we do them? We do not consistently do them. The experience of it is what creates the outcome that we want, not the knowledge of it. And so I think that we are here to take this, this knowledge and have, you know, divine experience of it so that we can actually know and feel and experience it rather than having just a conceptual idea of it. And I think that's very much, you know, a, a metaphor for spirituality in general as well, because it's not about the knowing. It's not about following the rules and the rituals and creating this perfect, you know, illusion of being a perfect spiritual person. It's actually about what you are actually experiencing on the inside. And there is no amount of external anything that is going to create that experience on the inside if you're not willing to hold space for it, right? If you're really going to cling to or resist what's going on around you, you will probably miss what is actually truly going on within you, right? Because you're distracted by your circumstances. And so in order to really create this human experience that is fully aware, that is fully operating in its, you know, miraculous, magical wholeness, we have to have a little bit of space and things have to be able to flow around us without so much clinging to or resisting to. And that's just the ego's preference, right? Saying, I don't like this and I like this. I want more of that. I don't want that. And if we can just let that go and like, oh my gosh, this is, listen, <laughs> listen, I know how this is not very easy. I get that. Uh, this is something that you know, I, I'm still working on every day. Of course, we have, you know, desires and wants and things that don't really align for us. And we have the power of choice to, you know, respond to those things. And so navigating this, this, you know, like I say, it's messy, but it's beautiful. It's both of those things at the same time. Again, the, embracing the paradox 
and allowing opportunities for us to expand, to experience all kinds of things without, you know, without judgments about it. We can let go of the, the, the good and bad and right and wrong and all of that. We will free ourselves from a lot of the, the judgment that we will place upon ourselves. And we can really come to a place of just being and experiencing and having, you know, a, a more whole perspective of what's going on in our world and and in in our world inside of us. Yeah, it's a it's a very powerful thing to think about who we are and and how we move and how what we go through or what we think we're going through can be used for good. And of course, in miracles, it says everything that you made can be used by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of forgiveness, as it as is the main motive. Because forgiveness means you release all the judgments and let the truth be known. Right? The truth is that we're whole and complete and love, as you were stating before. Right? So just discovering that comes through a tool that is actually an illusion itself it's, it's called forgiveness <laughs> and i i talk a lot about forgiveness actually because i i mainly talk on my podcast and on my social media about relationships uh partly because i went through what i went through and i have a lot of things that i discovered along the way that i i, I of course want to share with people if i can help them to improve their relationships and i know i can um and just because it's an it's a topic that I'm really excited to share about. But forgiveness comes up quite a bit because in when it comes to relationships, in relationships, there are plenty of opportunities to practice forgiveness. And there seems to be quite a an interesting perspective around the word forgiveness. And I don't know if this comes from, you know, because of religious, you know, connotations around the word. But for the sake of this, I would love to elaborate on at least what I believe forgiveness to be and to not be. Uh, and if you're, again, you're welcome to try it on. If you agree, that's that's fine. If you don't agree, that's also fine. Uh, but for me, forgiveness is not about like letting it go. And I think a lot of people think that it's about letting it go or forgetting. Uh, and to me, forgiveness has nothing to do really with the other person, actually. It has entirely to do with you. And it has entirely to do with you releasing from yourself the suffering that you are you are carrying as a result of this this resentment, frustration, anger, rage, uh, victimization, whatever the situation was, and the forgiveness is not about tolerating poor behavior because that's another thing that comes up a lot. People are like, oh, if I forgive them, they're just going to do the same thing again. Well, that's where boundaries come in, and to me, you can let go of the uh, I don't even know what kind of the 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 negative emotions that you have towards the person to free yourself that is truly what forgiveness is about it's about not attaching yourself any longer to that situation again back to the the, the victim conversation from before you did not deserve whatever bad things happened to you so this is not about you deserving or, or fault finding or blaming or any of that it's actually just about letting go for yourself it's about giving compassion to yourself which seems to be a really Difficult thing for a lot of people to do, probably because we've been taught for our whole lives that like caring for ourselves and loving ourselves is selfish and egotistical, uh, and it can go all the way to that extreme, most definitely. 
but we seem to be more over on the side where we're like, oh, I can't love myself. That that's 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 ego. That's selfish. But that's not entirely true either because you are love. <laughs> and so your very beingness is one of love. And so if you're not in connection with that love of yourself, then you are not fully in connection with this wholeness that you are. And forgiveness is truly about giving yourself the love and compassion that you needed so that you can let go of that suffering, right? This is your path to freedom. It really has nothing to do with the other person, right? You're not tolerating their bad behavior. You're not pretending it didn't happen. You're not going to forget it. You know, you are still going to move forward, making the right choices for you. Boundaries, maybe, maybe you know, changing the relationship connection that you have with that person. You only, you're the only one who knows what that looks like going forward and what is going to help you remain compassionate to yourself, right? Compassion for ourselves is something that I feel is incredibly missed. We go through life, we're taught to, you know, build self-esteem. We're, we're taught to, you know, perform so that we can get validated and accepted by other people. And we're taught that taking care of ourselves first is selfish. And I would argue that very much like the airplane analogy that's like super, super overused, but you put the oxygen mask on first, you're no good to care for and, and give, you know, immense amounts of love to other people when you are exhausted, burnt out, anxious, you know, not in a good headspace to do any of that. If there is no love in your cup, it is very hard for that to overflow and give love to other people. And so by forgiving, it's simply allowing you to refill your love cup. And it has nothing to do again with, you know, there, there are still going to be consequences probably, right? That's, that's, we're not erasing the consequences through the act of forgiveness. We are just erasing our own suffering. Yeah, the, that's a, the big topic, forgiveness and, and how one sees it. So the, the idea in A Course in Miracles is, is, is another one because the world is, is a, made by us. So it's an illusion. It's a dream. So whatever we are interpreting as negative or, or as bad or whatever never happened. So forgiveness is to let go of that interpretation and reinterpret it in a way that allows us to um, you have to move forward in a way that changes your perspective so that you see the world differently. Because we made it, but that doesn't mean we have to hate it. Right? We can, we can, we can love ourselves free. <laughs> so we can love what we made, and by doing that, we can also choose differently and make something else. And so it does. Forgiveness. So forgiveness, according to A Course in Miracles, does erase the consequences in the past and in the future. It, it does change everything. And I hold space for both of those things to be true simultaneously, right? Because it's it depends on the perspective that you're coming in with. I absolutely can see what you were saying too. And if you're someone who isn't quite there yet, you know, perhaps the way that I explained it might make sense to you, right? So 
I absolutely agree. You know, when you get to the space where you can live in the now moment entirely, as opposed to reliving the past and being attached to that, then, then yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you're going to continue to have the same kind of relationship with that person, right? Because that's your power of choice to move forward and create something different with that person, whatever that might look like for you. So that's really what I was kind of getting at, right? It's like, there are outcomes and you still get to choose which direction it goes, right? Their consequences are not, a, not, not for you to decide, right? Like that's, that's, you know, that's going to work itself out. So if we can let go of needing there to be the consequences that we want, then I think we're a lot closer to what you've suggested. Just um, sharing a little bit the perspective of Course in Miracles. I'm not saying that I'm there yet myself either. Um, so just to make that clear. But forgiveness, I do understand that it's a huge step to say, okay, nothing actually happened. Right? I didn't really, nobody did anything to me. I am doing this to myself by the way I'm seeing it, the way I'm thinking about it. And like you said, you're upholding the pain. You're keeping that pain going. And that's an ongoing decision. And so it can be an ongoing decision to change your perspective on that. So yes, you are, by that, by allowing that to change, you are forgiving. You're letting go of the judgment. You're letting go of that pain. And it allows you, like you said, if it's necessary to set boundaries or to, to make different choices or to, to remove walls that you thought were there, right? To see, oh, actually, there's nothing there I can walk on. There's actually nothing in the way, right? To, so there's barriers that you thought were there that are not there anymore. For instance, like, oh, I can't say no. Well, now I can. Oh, wow. Something changed there. Or you can't say yes because um, you don't believe you have the means or the resources or the know-how to move forward with something and suddenly you can say yes. Okay, I'm gonna do it. And whether I fail or not, who cares? I'm gonna just do it and at some point I will succeed. Maybe I won't right away, who knows? But And usually, yeah, you go through difficult times, you go through challenges when you start out with something new. Some people go, are smooth sailors and others are not, but we have to accept what the way it is for us, right? And there's very many people who are going through it in the same way we are. That's another thing that I learned that you're never alone. You're never going through things alone, even if you think it. So separation thinking might suggest you're the only one, you're the poor one, you're the only victim here, you're the only one who thinks you're a victim. And, and or you're the only one who doesn't know how to do something or the, the only dim-witted person in the room <laughs> everyone else is so much smarter or whatever you may be thinking or you think you're smarter than everyone else all of these things you need to open doors and forgiveness opens those doors and in a course in miracles it says that forgiveness gives every gives you everything that you could ever ever desire want right and everything that isn't good for you disappears through forgiveness is basically the message. So forgiveness actually gives you everything that, that is good for you. And so that's the thing is how do we 
accept as a course in miracles calls it the atonement for ourselves because that's our only purpose is to accept the atonement and the atonement means that all is really is over right the whole struggle with it is over we're letting go of all that struggling and accepting who we are as who we are that truth is truth and what is false is false and we're no longer um, fluctuating all the time right right believing one thing and then believing the other and back and forth and and then we realize there actually is a truth that is firm yeah and i think there is a certain magic in coming to accept yourself as this whole human as this perfectly imperfect human being having an experience with your perceived flaws and weaknesses and your perceived strengths and you know superpowers and a lot of people really struggle to accept themselves and this is something else that i think goes hand in hand with the self-compassion because they they myself too i put myself in this category but a lot of people have had experiences in their life that they have internalized and made those experiences mean something about who they are, right? This is how we build our identity and oftentimes uh, create an even grander illusion of separation and brokenness for ourselves. And the more that we can accept that we are all that is, we are, we are the good and the bad. You know, we are, you know, to put the labels on it, all of the, the dualistic viewpoints, we are both of those things. It's a both and situation. It's not like we're either good or bad. We have within us all facets. Every piece of that spectrum along the way exists within us. So like all possibility, right, of all that is, is in a possibility within us. And so if we can begin to accept that we are perfectly imperfect, which means that sometimes it looks like we have flaws, right? And it looks like sometimes we may have quote unquote failed. However, also leaving space for holding space for the possibility that every single quote unquote failure, because I don't really believe in failure, is actually just another lesson, it's another step forward, is more information, it is just another piece of the puzzle, if you will, it is just the next step on our adventure. And that our you know, perceived weaknesses might actually be hidden superpowers. And so recognizing that both things are possible in the same in the same thing where we once might have thought that there was no other possibility, it was only the way that we saw it. We can open up our vision to include all of these possibilities. We are no longer restrained and limited by this identity that we've built for ourselves and can really lean into this, this whole this whole self that is not limited, which is infinite, which is love, which is miracles waiting to happen, magic on legs, right? It is all of this incredible experience. And it's just us that keeps giving it all of these labels of the good and bad. It just, it all just is, right? And so there is a certain freedom in getting to the space where everything just is what it is. And if we stop arguing with reality, we free ourselves from a lot of suffering. <laughs> we just observe things as they are and accept, you know, you don't have to like it. We're not talking about liking it. We're just talking about accepting like this is what's before us and this is the situation. Now, how can I move forward with that? How can I choose what, what would be an empowered choice for me and what would create the human experience here that I'm, that I'm wanting to create? That, that is us standing in our power and using the power of the all that is 
to build a life that feels really good for us. That is our intended state, <laughs> to feel good. And, and like we were speaking of, one of the parts of that is the, is the choice to forgive, right? To, it's like you said, it's not about not knowing what happened or not knowing the facts or whatever. It's about the release of all that tension that you've been holding around it so that you can choose again, can make a different choice. And yeah, like you said, it actually enables you to move forward. And yeah, instead of like, you know, we take ourselves along everywhere we, wherever we go, we'll, we'll be there. Right. It's like, I can't, I can't get rid of myself no matter what I do. Right. So the question is how that's why we are actually the most important relationship for ourselves there is <laughs> and we're doing it all to ourselves and so we're actually facing ourselves in every situation so even if i'm speaking with you i'm actually speaking with myself is what of course in miracles would basically also say i think and many other traditions do right so we're speaking to ourselves and we're interacting with ourselves and so it's a it's a huge thing to realize, okay, what I'm doing to another, I'm doing to myself, and so on and so forth. And what I think another is doing to myself, to me, I'm doing to myself as well, right? At the same time. And so how do we step into that power of choice in which we then can choose happiness instead of this, right? We can choose peace instead of this, and so on. As of course, the miracle says, we always have the choice, but we have. In order to have that choice, you have to accept the full responsibility, and responsibility is very negatively connotated in our lives. We've been taught that responsibility is something bad, or is is sin, sinful to be responsible, or, or guilt ridden. So how do we? And of course, the miracles, of course, says guilt and sin is not real, is not correct as a misinterpretation a complete falsehood right so to release these ideas of sin and guilt and accept responsibility as something positive something completely different than we've been taught so how did you do that Well, I like to look at responsibility from a perspective, I call it radical responsibility, uh, which is really ultimately looking at the pieces that you actually can affect. Okay? And that is yourself. <laughs> Just as you said, this all comes back to the relationship that you have with yourself. First and foremost, this relationship with self is the foundation for everything else, because everything else is simply mirroring back to you. The relationship that you have with yourself and so if you build a strong loving accepting relationship with your whole glorious self you will see that mirrored in the world around you you will see it in the relationships with other people you will see it in your physical in the relationship you have with your physical body you'll see it in the relationship that you have uh you know with your with your business or your job your co-workers your boss your children your partner like everybody and everything around you with money all of these things will be impacted 
by the relationship that you have with yourself. And so while we have been taught to perform and, you know, measure up and be good enough and do all of these things and earn and, and you know, earn our worth and our value, prove ourselves, that is actually probably, that's probably what the, what is causing us a lot of this illusion of separation because it is creating a wedge between who we truly are and creating this somehow, you know, future version of you that you're supposed to be, right? So you're even creating the separation within yourself. You're not accepting and loving yourself. And so therefore you're not even really seeing your true self. You're, you're often very much looking forward to this future version that you were supposed to be, this perfect version, this ideal version, this, you know, future you. And the truth is you are already, you are already them, right? There is nothing that you need to do to become them. You are already them. What, what actually needs to happen is you creating just a relationship with yourself so that you can allow yourself to be them right now, right? It's again, stripping away removing the illusion, removing unlearning, you know, dealing with the conditioning that we've all, you know, spent most of our lives picking up along the way to figure out right back at the core who we are. And as we've mentioned many times, we are love. And so when we can tap into that unconditional love that we have within ourselves, it starts to overflow with ease, right? And I know a lot of people love to give and they, lo they, they love to love. And I'm not talking about just the feeling of love. I'm talking about like the very essence, like the energy of love can overflow and create, you know, relationships of all kinds of magical types, right? Again, with all of those things, with people, with things, with the world at large, with the all, the, you know, the all that is. And this all comes from the, the unconditional love that we have within ourselves. So really building that relationship within ourselves is absolutely foundational to any of the other relationships. And like I say, it's, it's a mirror, it's reflecting back to you. And it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just merely information that this, this is what is happening, right? And so you have the, the power and the choice and the ability to course correct if that's not you know, it's giving you information that is not quite a fit. Well, you can tweak that. You can adjust it. And again, there's really no such thing as failure. It's all just information. It's just feedback. It's giving you some information so that you can consciously, you know, take a detour if that's that's not it for you, right? And we all have this sort of inner compass. Uh, you can call it by many, many different names. But uh, this this inner wisdom that you have that that tells you, your body will tell you if something is aligned for you or is not. And when we can start to clear away the rest, we can make space to hear that voice within. You can call it the Holy Spirit. You can call it intuition. You can call it God. You can call it universe. You can call it all that is. You can call it divine. Words are just words. They, they take on the meaning that you assign to them. So however you'd like to label that, you can tune into that. And that's where you can really start to trust yourself, trust, trust yourself, trust this, this higher, higher power, whatever you'd like to call it within you to help you to navigate and create a life that is full of love and joy and peace and bliss and all of the good things that you absolutely freaking deserve because you do, you are infinitely worthy. You are infinitely deserving of all of the love that you could, you could possibly imagine. And the only thing, and it's like so hard, like I said, it's like me realizing that I was the common denominator in my problems. This is really realizing that ultimately I am the one who's in my own way, 
right? And getting out of my own way so that I can experience this unconditional love and acceptance from within is then going to ripple out into the world, impacting my relationships and the relationships that those people have with other people and creating this massive ripple effect that literally I believe is the way to change the world is through self-love and self-acceptance and allowing that to overflow to everyone around you. Now, of course, in Miracles says the, the same statement you were making, we are all infinitely valuable in the mind of God. So there's no one who's less valuable. It also says not, no one is special, everyone is equal. Now, of course, we see all these differences and think, oh, that justifies judging someone else. Like, you know, I might be slower, you might be faster, you might be this, you might be that, right? You might not be able to, some people can hold the memory of five things, 10 things or 20 things at the same time. Another person only manages to do three, to, to keep three at the same time. So there's all kinds of things where differences are there, where we think we can judge because of them, right? Judge each other as not equal. And yeah, some people think that's justified, but we don't need to hold on to that. And I think you're, you're speaking about that all the time. Yeah, and you know what, I view all judgment as self-judgment because there is there is nothing out there that is not, uh, and like this is like perhaps semantics, but I'm gonna try and put it in like a, a, a different, slightly different way because I know, you know, of course in Miracles we'll talk about we are creating everything. And I wanna say from like a scientific standpoint, just there's nothing that we're experiencing outside of ourselves that is not going through our own filters, right? So even if you don't like necessarily buy into that perspective from like a spiritual standpoint, from a logical standpoint, everything that we experience goes through our filters, our perspectives, our perceptions, our beliefs, our mindsets, our past experiences, our memories, our emotions, before we experience it in our reality, right? So we're saying the same thing, I'm just saying it in a slightly different way because they're the same. It's just different words, right? Which might help someone else grasp it in a slightly different way. Uh, but the truth is, if you look at anything out there and you're judging it, that, that, that judgment is of yourself. Right, because that thing is coming through all of your, all of your filters, all of your perspectives, and it's actually without you probably even realizing, you are creating your brain designed again to do this to take the zeros and ones and calculate and compare and you know spit out a response is doing that in many ways, taking this thing and saying like how do I shape up to this, right? And so our brain without probably our even recognizing this, doing this, saying like that and this, and then comparing and here's the here's the you know, the comparative, right? And so it's all based on the perception we have of ourselves, right? If we perceive ourselves as as one thing and we are comparing, like we can't we can't have judgment for someone else without creating comparison between ourselves. So it's sort of a, a like a stick, sticky loop that you can get stuck in if you're thinking about like, you know, judgment in general. There is no real judgment out there. The judgment is all happening within ourselves. So if you want to be free of the weight of other people's opinions, uh, the, the key secret there is to stop judging yourself. And I know that's easier said than done or, you know, whatnot, but it is this acceptance of who you are. And you can observe things because this is what it is. I am five foot three. I don't have to have a judgment about it. It doesn't need to be comparing to anything. I just, 
I just am this, right? And so if we can just start to observe the world just as it is, rather than as a set of things to compare to one another, we can often work our way towards the freedom of that judgment from our from our own mind, because that's where it's all really basically originating from. There's a big, big lesson in, in that, in that we, all judgment is a judgment of self at the same time. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons why the Course in Miracles also speaks about the holy relationship and the, and the other type of relationship. So the holy, in the holy relationship, you see each other as whole and therefore you strengthen each other in that wholeness no matter what it looks like outside right so in the in the actions then the other one you're always comparing and you're saying okay i need this from that person otherwise i'm unhappy i need that from that place i need this and that and that and that you're always trying to get what you think you don't have and in that you're always fighting right because it's always a, a fight because to take to to pull take an apple away from someone that they want to eat um, is not gonna not gonna make you happy, right? And it's they're also gonna react with unhappiness. But if you see them as having plenty and you're having plenty, then you might be willing to ask, "Oh, may I have that apple? I have an orange. Would you like the orange <laughs> or whatever?" Right? Or we both have plenty of oranges. Let's eat together. Whatever, yeah. But you'll you'll be much nicer to each other, and kinder. And that kindness um, is so 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 important. And that's what you're speaking about to yourself, because by being kind in your thinking and in, in your judgments or whatever, the judgments may be wrong, but kind judgments are certainly feel better than the mean ones, even if they might not always be right. Because, you, but uh, in most cases, it, it's, it's correcter to, to be, to think kindly than to think badly. It certainly does make it easier for everyone to find their true nature of being in this loving, happy, peaceful state. When we are, not focused on what we can get from another person. And we only focus on what we can get from another person when we believe that we are lacking those things, that there is something missing from us. And that is illusion, right? Because you already said, you're already whole. And I think that actually the, the relationship that I'm in now, we just celebrated 2000 days together, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. So I guess we're somewhere around um, 2000 and six, 17 days now, I guess, but my math is mathing correctly. Uh, but in this relationship, I took the wisdom that I had learned about myself and about relationships. Again, this really all comes back to relationship with self. But what I had learned from my previous marriage breakdown and implemented that into this relationship, I came in whole. My partner came in whole. Neither of us were looking to the other person to complete us, to fill voids, to provide us with something that we didn't have. We weren't looking for anyone to make our lives better in that way in, because we, we were both happy and whole and complete. 
And that seems like that could be paradoxical because people are, well, well, why would you even want a relationship then if you're already whole and complete? Well, let me tell you, it makes it even better. And so, you know, when you're not coming from this place of like, I need someone, I really need someone to like, you know, love me. When you can start to build this loving relationship with yourself that no longer says, I'm missing something. There's something missing from me. There's something broken about me. There's something that I don't have then you will have everything that you need. And it truly does come from the inside out. And so the more that you can learn to love and accept yourself, your whole magical self, the more you will find relationships that magnify this and make it that much greater. Like it, it's a kind of love that you, you like, you can't even put like words to it because it's just so enveloping and so expansive. And it's so far beyond anything that we've been told in, you know, in the media, witnessed in movies and love stories and, you know, romance is like so far beyond any of that, that if we haven't had an opportunity to experience it first within ourselves, we will not be able to receive because everything is, is in the cycle of what we give we receive back because it is essentially us creating this experience with ourselves. So when we go into a relationship, looking at just like you kind of touched on there, what can I give? What can I give? What can we create together? That's an entirely different perspective than like, what am I going to get out of this? And that small shift, I'll tell you what, I posted something to this effect because I spoke about this on my podcast recently and shared a quote that relationships are about what we can give, not what we can get. And I did upset some people because their immediate response was, this is setting you up for abuse. And so I think that's interesting to, to tie this back into the conversation from earlier, that when you focus on what you can give, this does not mean without boundaries. It means both people come into the relationship looking at what can I give? What can we create together? No one's looking at what can I get from you and what can I get from you? Because that puts you in a state of a very clear separation. It puts you on teams that are playing against one another instead of in a state of unity, which is obviously the ideal state for healthy, loving, connected relationships. You're on the same page, you're on the same team, you're working together, you're, you're helping each other not because either one of you is lacking or broken or missing anything, but because you're two whole people and two holes, I don't even know, we make up an analogy about this, but like two holes makes like, you know, way more than two. <laughs> it's just like this magical picture of this unity together. And that is, everybody deserves that. That's something that everyone out there, I think on a deep level craves within themselves. We all desire to really truly feel like we are seen, heard, loved, accepted, and that we belong. And this is all part of you know, creating that experience for ourselves requires us to recognize and accept ourselves to show up authentically as ourselves, as our whole, you know, unapologetic self, the way that we were made, the way that we feel fully expressed. Because if we don't do that, we fall short of, you know, of feeling this acceptance and love that we so desperately want because we are actually not putting it out there from within, right? And so we end up essentially creating a roadblock, uh, limiting ourselves and not creating the very thing that we most desire. So 
by choosing to build a relationship with ourselves, we can get all of that out of the way. And then what we give out to other people, when we love other people, when we unconditionally love and accept people, whether they're quote unquote deserving of it or not, we will receive that back. And that is pure magic. Yeah, that's a that's a good point to talk about this idea of giving and giving being lost, right? And of course, in miracles, it says you can only have what you give. So you you so if so, like teach what you want to learn would be teach, and then another one is teach only love because that is who you are, and things like that, right? These are all examples to explain what is meant or extend love, right? Love extends love. So it extends itself, and, and it's only more because of that. It's, it's not more, it's just it, it affirms itself, right, because of that. And this affirmation of self is empowering, right? So it's not, it's not that, I don't know, maybe we should think about it. Maybe we're not, we don't become more because of it. It's not more than it was before, but it's, we're more aware of it. We're aware of it rather than, so they were more um, aware of more of it. <laughs> I don't know how you put it, right? It, it, it was there a lot. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's important to, to speak about. And I, yeah. Giving is receiving, right? And all these other ways of putting it. So, yeah. How does that, how do you do that in actuality or in real relation, in actual relationships and so on? Yes, those are important topics, and I'm sure you'll be following up on it for your audience <laughs> and going deeper into it. Well, I, if anybody is interested in having more of those conversations, I do invite you to check out my podcast, which is called Create Your Happy. It is available wherever you listen to podcasts, pretty much. Uh, and at createyourhappy.ca. So you can check that out there. This entire season, I've been speaking about relationships. And throughout the entire, uh, I've had three seasons of show, I'm approaching 100 episodes. It has all ultimately been a conversation about the relationship you have with yourself, because this is so foundational to everything. It has been a recurring theme, intentional and unintentional, in every single episode of like this is unavoidable it's like to say that the human experience is entirely spiritual whether you are aware of that or not it is right because there is no no disconnecting the human from the the spirit that gives us life so you know in that same way there is no way to separate any conversation from that relationship that you have with yourself it's all it's all part of it so the, definitely if that's something that you're interested in exploring I've been having a lot of fun this season talking about all things relationship and really putting it back in the driver's seat in your relationships because that's where you create this ability, this empowered state to create something a little bit different, to create a relationship that really makes you happy because that's what you desire and deserve. I haven't listened to your podcast yet, but anyways yeah so you don't have these uh you probably are it's just it's you speaking right without guests or things like that if i understand correctly uh, or do you have guests the first several seasons i had guests but uh this particular third season and i did it weird so i have like 2.5 seasons 
I should have made that a third season. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Just wing it, like right every day, just taking one step at a time. Uh, but I'm on season three and it is just me sharing my thoughts this season. But I have about 80 episodes of amazing conversations with guests on all kinds of topics. So I, I love a deep conversation. And there's also a place for short, meaningful, like wisdom bomb kind of drop in episodes. And that's what I am doing on this season. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting because I, I don't have any seasons, just one season. It's been over four years now. So, anyways, <laughs> so it's an interesting concept of having different seasons. But, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just for mine, it was sort of just like, you know, this was sort of a series of conversation along this, and then this sort of like shifted a little bit. So the conversation series was just a little bit different, right? And so that's kind of how I differentiate my, my seasons. But yeah, it's just semantics. And like I said, it's just like one day at a time. I don't know what I'm doing. So like, I'm like, let's... let's new season that sounds exciting like let's just do it and let's switch gears let's change directions let's you know just try something from a different angle yeah um this podcast is also always changing and evolving and coming to new topics it just comes as it as always and and i i i call it and for me it's an interdisciplinary podcast so i have people from very different disciplines and i personally have a very multidisciplinary approach to things so yeah it's very fascinating so yeah, thank, you so thank you so much people can be afraid to speak to people with different perspectives and i actually welcome that i love i love to be challenged in my thinking and my mindsets and my beliefs and like i say i invite people to try things on like I, i'm not I'm not here to be right. I don't proclaim to have all the answers, but what I do know for certain is that you have the answers that you need within you. And um, my role ever is just to simply guide you back to those truths within. Yeah. And of course, in miracles, we say we're walking each other home. So that's what this podcast is all about, is walking each other home. And so it's just as much a, a, a walk walking myself home as I do it, as walking each other home at big walk home, maybe <laughs> it's all one, one together joining in this endeavor. So I thank everyone who's watching, listening, and joining in whatever way you are. Thank you for being here. Please review the podcast, subscribe to it if you like it, and connect with me if you want to be a guest on the podcast because this is a very yeah a podcast that lives from the many different guests that i have so thank you so much and blessings to you all until next time